The Giants are making it rain in free agency. Galladay's, Jackson's, and Rudolph's. Oh, my. We'll do a deep dive into Big Blue's busy week in free agency. How the heck did they pull it off? And how much pressure is now on Daniel Jones? We'll also chat with NFL Network insider Mike Garofalo about the giant splashes and maneuvering cap space to make this happen. All that and more is coming up next on a Have a Bloody Drink, Giants fans. All hail Kevin Abrams edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Please give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. What a week for the New York Giants. Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network is going to join the show later on. Your host of Blue Rush, our New York Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz, and two-time Super Bowl champion, Lawrence Tynes, Tynes, Sarah McCrory. Now, there's no cheering in the press box. So, Tynes and Sarah, give a round of applause to Kevin Abram and Dave Gettleman. Let's hear the cheers. Let's hear the claps because the fans are excited. Take it away, fellas. What a week. Lawrence, I can't speak for you. I don't have that golden leg. You know, I did not kick the Giants to two Super Bowls. I didn't make all that money. You know, I'm a family man with a budget, okay? I have a budget. And I know, I think I know what I can afford. And I have the mortgage and I figure it out. And I say, okay, I can buy this and this and this. And you kind of hope there's no surprises, right? Having said that, when the Giants went into free agency not many days ago, I figured, okay, I kind of know what their budget is. I've been around a long time. They can do some things. I did not think they could do this, okay? Their budget is astronomical. The players they got are tremendous. They look like a different team to me. Were you a surprised by this, blown away by this, or did you sort of anticipate it? I was blown away, just like I think no. most of Giants Nation was. I, I thought we would hopefully lock up Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. I did not think we had the cap space. We talked about this last show to get a premier wide receiver like Galladay, and then they they keep spending. They grab Adoree Jackson, then they grab Kyle Rudolph, and you know, don't underestimate the Reggie Ragland and some of these defensive guys they've kind of signed as backup role players, but they've spent a lot of money and it's going to come from somebody's salary somewhere. So we'll see who it is. We don't know all those numbers yet other than Nate Solders. Here's the thing. And I think we always have to remember this. Sometimes we forget it, right? You know, after the season, everyone, you know, the capologists, they have their lists, right? And they say, okay, the Jacksonville Jaguars have 69 million, whatever. The Jets have 65 million and blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the Saints are 30 million over the cap and the Giants are sort of right at the cap. And these aren't concrete numbers. They're fluid numbers. The Giants knew, first of all, I, we said last time, and we, we both felt this, that Leonard Williams is a terrific player. He can't play for $19.4 million. They have to get him signed, and they did. Uh, that saved $8 million on the cap right there. The Giants were confident of that. The Giants knew Kevin Zeitler was not coming back. Bang, $12 million off the cap. The Giants knew Nate Solder was not coming back for $16 million, what, uh, $10 million this year. Bang, they cut him from... 10 to three, 7 million off the cap. Three guys 
$27 million in savings. Now you start signing guys. So, you know, you saw it as a player, right? These cap numbers are, you want to know what's coming into your bank account every week or two, right? But the cap yeah. numbers are, are are different. They're just different animals and they, they come and they go and the smart teams can navigate around it. Yeah. And you, you know, you said the word fluid and that's exactly what it is. And what teams do is they just put money into future years of your contract and spread it out. Now, ultimately, this is all going to come to a heat at some point, but Obviously, ownership and management said we need to get you know some guys. They did that. It gives them a lot of freedom in the draft, which is exciting because I don't think anyone knows where the hell they're going to go at eleven. I think they, for the first time in a long time, they can go best player available. But I, I really believe they've got four, maybe five starters out of this group of free agents this year. The cap was down sixteen million dollars. The Giants, you know, that's money that they expected they would have. Look, the cap goes up $10 million every year. Once again, we've established, I wasn't a math major, 10 plus 16, $26 million they did not have to spend, just like everybody else in the league, basically. In 2023, these cap numbers are going to be astronomical for these players. Oh, you know, yeah. the cap numbers this year are, are light, astronomical in two years. And you know what? The cap might be $30, 35000000 million more in 2023. They'll worry about it then. And I'm not saying Dave Gettleman looked at this and said, we got to win right now. But Dave Gettleman didn't say, I'm worried about 2023 because Dave Gettleman will be retired yeah. forcibly in 2023 if they didn't do things now to try to win. So they're trying to win now. But what I'm saying is they looked at 2023 and said, we'll worry about it then. Okay. We'll, we're not mortgaging the future. We're kind of making the future a little funky. We'll worry about it then. Can we get two more years here? with Daniel Jones on his rookie contract. This was a, an appropriate and quite astounding, like we said. You know, Kevin Abrams did a great job with this. He's the cap about guy. Saquon. Saquon is on his rookie deal as well. You're talking about two premier players. You hope you get to pay them and they're playing well, but this does not have eight and eight written on it internally. They didn't spend all this money and go get these guys to go eight and eight in 2021. This has, we need to make the playoffs without saying it. No one in the building will say it, but I'll say it for them. They want to make the playoffs in 2021. I can't disagree with you. This whole slow build, we're getting better. Um, I'm not going to put a number, John Mayer, I'm not going to put a number of wins or playoffs or bust. We need to see improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Six and 10, they'll be improving. Now let's go piece by piece on some of these big guys. What did you think a month ago? What did you think of Kelly Galladay as a, as a wide receiver? I, I was not a, you know, I don't really watch a ton of Lions games and I don't think anyone does. There's a reason. <laughs> Obviously he's a good player. He does have some durability issues. I know he hasn't been available as much as some of the top guys, but he's a huge playmaker. He's a big target. He's fast. You know, I, you know, we talked about comparing him to Plax. I think Plax was more available. Plax didn't miss a lot of football games and played hurt a lot. But this guy is a burner and a playmaker, so he can take the ball and take it the distance, whereas Plax was either, you know, jumping over somebody and making a play. He did run away from a few guys a couple of times. But this guy is a game-breaker, and he plays hard, plays fast. Plaxico was 27 when he came to the Giants, okay? Galladay. Yep. 27 now. Eli Manning was 24 when Gallaudet. Eli Manning was 24 when he got plaques. Daniel Jones will be 24 when he starts throwing to Gallaudet. There are Ooh. similarities there. I did a little deep dive into their stats. Deep. They are not identical, but very similar. I mean, Plax was a top receiver, but he wasn't a prolific guy with the Steelers. No. They, they didn't throw the ball, you know, as much then. You know, he was like a second-tier guy in some ways. Galladay is terrific. He led the league in touchdowns two years ago, but he was not prolific like some of these monsters out there. So they are very similar. I know you don't think they're the exact same player, which they're not, but I think 
Galladay could have a similar impact for Daniel Jones that Plax did for Eli, because Eli, as you know, was not the most accurate guy. He could throw the ball, what, between 10 yards in either direction and Plaxico could catch it? Would you say that's yeah. fair? Yeah. Would you like, agree would, that Galladay is a much more explosive version of Plax? Yeah, I mean, Plaxico was a little more, you know, Plaxico was a little bigger, a little more yeah. physical, right? You know, you know, in a rebounding drill, I think I want Plaxico yeah. uh, box out, but Galladay can get down the field more. Yeah. And so, you know, while we're talking about Daniel Jones, what do you think? Galladay just finished, you know, four years with with Stafford, who can throw the damn yeah, ball. You know, you know, he he's prolific. Kenny Galladay said, we had him on a call the other day. He said, Daniel Jones reached out right away. You know, he said, I think you're a good player. He said, we're trying to do some great things here. It was really interesting. And, you know, he was mentioned, you know, why did you, you know, why were you sold on Daniel Jones? You know, he, what has he done in the league? And he said, well, first off, he's still kind of a fresh in this league. And that's, a, I want to grow with him. I think I'm growing. I'm still fresh in this league too. I thought that was interesting. He's, I'm not a finished product. He's growing. I'm growing. Daniel Jones became how much better now that Galladay's on the team. Well, I, I don't I don't know. That's the thing that's a little bit scary in all of this is I don't know. I don't really know how good Daniel Jones is. I know he was really good his rookie year. I know last year there were some deficiencies talent-wise, and he took a step back, in my opinion, to some degree, numbers-wise. So I don't know. Now, do I think having these guys and these weapons and the Rudolphs and the, you know, the Ross kid that's super fast, I think he'll get some some reps. I think in Saquon back, that does open up the offense more for for Daniel's skill set because if you put that much speed on the field you add Saquon in there the RPOs become more of a big deal they didn't really have to cover anybody let's be honest last year I mean they didn't really have to cover there wasn't a guy they went in maybe Evan maybe it wasn't Slayton he did not have a good season so this year safeties are going to have to play higher and and there's going to be some room to operate so we will see I I just I I hope Daniel has a good year because we all want him to to get a long-term contract and be the Giants quarterback but to answer your question I just don't know what it does for him until he proves it to us what I don't agree with is when people say now all the pressure's on Daniel because I think the pressure is on a quarterback when he doesn't have anything around him look you know the pressure's on him because now the expectation is for him to be better and for the Giants to win but I will take my chances with a quarterback that has weapons versus a quarterback that doesn't have weapons. Oh, you know, yeah. no one no one thinks Daniel Jones is some, you know, transcendent player who can just make, you know, he's not Tom Brady who the Patriots surrounded him with garbage for a few years and he, yeah. he elevated everybody. So it would have been a tremendous shame if if they didn't do this and Daniel Jones went into his third year and they had the same array of just blah offensive players. And okay, figure it out, Daniel. They've got players now. And if Saquon comes back, like you said, so I don't think it's pressure. I think it's exciting. Look, if he can't do it, he can't do it. Yeah. But we'll know it's because of him and maybe some shortcomings on the offensive line, maybe not. But because of him not getting the ball to Galladay, then it is nobody getting open. They have three legitimate we talked about last year they didn't have any playmakers they had some good players but Galladay Saquon Evan Ingram Rudolph I think it just the overall weapons at his disposal is going to we could never score like it was three plays it was a three yards in a cloud of dust offense last year there was no big plays very very few this offense should have big plays we still have Garrett calling the plays I don't know holy cow I mean, hopefully he opens up his playbook, but he is still the offensive coordinator, by the way. Yeah, but I think he can figure out that if you throw the ball high to Kenny Galladay, he'll jump up and catch it. You know, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be a genius to figure and that Rudolph out. And Rudolph should be able to work yep. the middle of the field, which Evan Ingram was not very good at. Uh, Rudolph, I believe, has 40 red zone touchdowns in his career. Red yep. zone was not a good spot for Evan Ingram, for a lot of these smaller receivers. You yep. just 
you just made your red zone way better with Galladay and Rudolph. Way better. Way better. Way better. Yeah. Now, now after Galladay, I think we all kind of said, "Wow, that's tremendous! That that's a lot of money." That you know, eighteen million a year. They they didn't get him at a, at, a, at a price. They got him at a good hit, a good price for the receiver. Okay, that's kind of the end of the Giants' little spree here. And then you hear that Adoree Jackson is coming in for a visit. I said, "Okay, that that's interesting visit. They want to see what he is, he, and he's going to go to the Eagles after that." Once I saw that picture. Have you ever seen this, Lawrence? Logan Ryan tweets a picture of his former teammate with the Titans, Adoree Jackson, and Logan sitting in the city eating dinner. And to me, once I saw that, I said, holy cow, they're going to sign this guy because yeah. they didn't send Logan Ryan to have dinner with him and to say, oh, by the way, Logan, we're only offering him one year, $8 million contract. So you better pay for the shrimp cocktail. Yeah. You know, once they did that, there was a, okay, we're going to go out for this guy if his knee holds up. So have you ever seen that where this was like a blatant, push recruiting there and joe judge comes from the college game i love it i think when you this just gives more respect to joe judge from a locker room standpoint allowing his players and leaders to be a part of the recruiting process and a part of building the team that they're all going to play on together so you know typically you know back when i played the team signed somebody you saw it on espn or whatever it was and that was your new teammate i mean i I don't know how many other teams are doing this, but Joe Judge might have you know, set a precedent here by letting guys recruit guys they're familiar with and, and help them out. Another guy who had a hand recruiting guys was another new giant, John Ross, the new receiver that they signed, had a hand. And, you know, he had talked to Ross. He said, that's his guy. He said, come to New York. He wasn't sure which New York. And then he knew he signed with the Giants. So how about how about a brand new giant also uh, lending a helping hand? Yeah, that's a that's a California. You know, uh, it's yep. interesting because you say Darnay Holmes. He says, oh, Darnay Holmes is my guy. We also were able to talk to um, uh, Jackson. And he said, well, Darnay Holmes is my guy. I knew him in high school. You know, obviously, Logan Ryan with the Titans, uh, Ross. That's a California connection there. It was interesting because what you mentioned, Lawrence, about Judge is and, and this whole culture thing, which a lot of people cringe when they say the word culture. It was interesting because Peppers is telling Jackson, you got to come here. Logan Ryan's saying, you know, it's a good place. Come here. Uh, Ross doesn't know, obviously. Darnay Holmes is saying, look, it's a good place. Come in here. And Jackson said, you know, these guys hit me up. But he said, I wanted to meet these guys face to face and see what kind of people they are, see their body language see how they act, see if everything matches up to what these players are telling me, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, you know, so that was interesting. So then he comes there, he says, look, judge was a straight shooter. And he said, these guys made me feel like home and like it was a family. So that was something we, we didn't know about judge that he could do this. You know, it is good to be wanted. It it really is. It just feels good. That's why, you know, you play football and you, you play and, it's always good. Sometimes your your confidence can take a hit from, you know, Tennessee didn't re-sign him. Yep. But when other teams ex- extend their hand and, and money to you, man, it just – it gives you like a – like when the Giants traded for me in 2007, like I was kind of on the ropes. I was in between signing a restricted tender. I signed yep. it. And then they drafted a kid in the draft, you know, a couple months after that. So I was kind of in. A, but when the Giants reached out and said, hey, we want to trade, it just gave me a renewed sense of, man, somebody wants me. It makes you feel better. So having the guys come out and, and you know, wine and dine him. And obviously we know Joe's a straight shooter. And people like him. They like playing for him. This is a home run. So they're building this team the right way and spending a lot of money. And hopefully Giants fans can be excited. We for sure have won the off season, I would say. You know what? We've always said this. It doesn't matter. Uh, but you, Well, you know, headlines yeah. in, in March, right? You know, yeah. it's supposed to be for uh, March Madness and basketball, Knicks or whatever, Islanders or Rangers. You know, it's not supposed to be for football teams. And 
when you win in March, it's kind of like, well, we'll see, we'll see. But, um, you know, they got a lot of back pages. You know, we got them two Galladay back pages. Mm-hmm. We put Jackson on the back page with dollar bills flying. You know what, though? But he's a good player. Let me ask you something. Is yeah. this defensive backfield now, if they play to their potential with all their guys, with Peppers, and with, don't forget, Xavier McKinney basically yeah, didn't play forget, last year. People forget about these guys. For, right, right. And and Logan yeah. Ryan and James Bradbury. How much better does Bradbury get now? I get, because I Julian Love is still there. Like I mentioned, Darnay Holmes, he's not a bad player. They no. don't have a lot of bad players right now. This could be one yeah, of the better this, defensive backfields. It's going to be based on health, and they're yep. going to have to stay healthy, but they really have good depth, too. I mean, you're talking about guys that they can come in off the bench and play starter minutes. Bradbury's going to be great. I think Adoree Jackson on the other side, and then our two safeties. And then, you know, you mentioned Xavier McKinney. What did he play, four games? Yeah. And he just was getting his feet wet. So you're going to see some – uh Interesting defensive packages, I would imagine. I was about to say, guys, depth was the big was the big thing you just mentioned there because tight end, you got Rudolph and Ingram. They get Reggie Raglan as a good depth linebacker. They bring in a backup quarterback in Mike Lennon. They bring in Ross as a fourth receiver. They bring in Devontae Booker as a backup running back. So across the board in free agency so far, they've done a good job addressing depth. They and signed the book- another kid today, right? From the from yes. Washington. Yes, That's they a, did. Who's the, a second uh, round pick um, yep. from Alabama? So maybe Joe knows him. Maybe Joe recruited him. I'm not sure. Maybe Joe's been in the NFL long enough. But get a second round kind of pick, role player. I don't. You know, where is Wayne Gallman at right now? Well, well, here's the thing. And people went a little nuts when they signed Devontae Booker. He's special teams, years old. right? Wayne Gallman. How many special teams did Wayne Gallman play? None. None. Maybe. So, I don't remember. But None. Not, he, did, he didn't play special teams. Yep. So if, if you're going to give him a uniform, if he's going to be a running back and you need him, you got to play on teams. running back. You got to play on teams. He didn't play on teams. So that's mm-hmm. why he's a healthy scratch sometimes. So Booker yep. is a good special teams player. Look, somebody with the Giants said to me, look, people went a little crazy when we gave Devontae Booker, whatever, you know, six million bucks for two years or, you know, a little less than that. And, and, and he said, look, we have a running back coming off an ACL. We have a running back coming off an ACL. We just can't have some anybody back there. So they think Booker is a better player than Gallman. Clearly, that's why they signed him. He's a, he's a better, quote-unquote, football player because he gives you more on Sunday than Wayne would. I'm not saying – Wayne's not a really good back, but this mm-hmm. guy can play on every special team. That's more valuable than some guy who can just carry the football. Yeah, and, right. And plus, you know, he's had seven starts in the league. Yep. He, he's he's a career backup. He knows his role. He's, he's not going to come guy, in. Right? Bigger, he's a little bigger, bigger a little stockier yeah. guy. So I think he'll be fine. He, look, they don't want to have to use him a lot. They want Saquon, you know, they want it to be 80-20. And if it's 80-20, it's great. You know, he can handle the 20, I would think. Guys, before we chat with Mike Garofolo here in a minute, what's your grade? I mean, I'm giving the Giants an A-plus from what they do. We'll start with you, Tynesy. What's your grade for the Giants for agency? On paper, on March 23rd, 2021, this is an A-plus grade for a free agency. I'll go A. I mean, look, it's it's a quibble. I'll go A because I don't want to go A plus like you guys did. And because the one thing is they didn't exactly, they paid guys. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, boy, they got a Dory Jackson on the cheap or boy, I, I thought Galladay was going to get 16 million a year. He got 18. Okay. At mm-hmm. the start of free agency, a lot of people thought 20. So, you know, but they didn't say, man, they got Galladay for a good price. They got him for a high price. They got Jackson you know, three years, $39 million is, is is nice money for a, a 25-year-old cornerback. So I'll, I won't give them the plus because it's not like they got a lot of bargains here, but I, I'm stunned that they were able to transform their team. And, and they transformed the mindset of their fans, number one, this podcast, we're talking much differently, yeah. and people in that building. And 
the players, as you mentioned, Lawrence, the players now, when Logan Ryan goes to dinner with a guy and they sign him, right? When Jabril Peppers goes out to dinner with Kenny Galladay, bang, they close the deal. You know, they all know now they're backing each other up. We got you, you got us. Now you walk with a little more swagger. You know, my team's willing to pay the price here. I think it's invaluable for what this culture is being built. Agreed. They've also signed Sarah McCrory to a lifetime contract. Sarah, I know you were jumping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jump, jumping through uh, windows after this free agency. Yeah, I mean, like you guys said, I wasn't really expecting to be this excited. Not to really like harp on it, but I think after the Giants being kind of bad for the last few years, now that they have all these exciting things happen, the biggest question mark for me as a fan is Daniel Jones because now I'm like, wait, I don't want him. This but. is his year, guys. If, I mean, obviously, uh, we said that if, if he sucks this year, he's gone. I mean, that's pretty Paul, simple. I should have rebutted you earlier. I completely disagree that there's no pressure on him. I didn't say no pressure. I just said – I think I it's think, 10X I, of what it was. Well, I think pressure on a quarterback is going out there and saying, okay, the guy on my left can't get open. The guy on my right is going to drop the pass. But the running back behind me is no just, good. My offensive line's no good. Hut, 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 bang. That, that's, that's internal pressure. I'm talking about external pressure. Internally, I know those guys can't get up, but externally, I I knew last year if I didn't play good, I'm always going to get the benefit of the doubt. And as a player, I knew that. He doesn't have that anymore. He oh, okay, dudes, that's fine. The he stakes are up, yes. And he has to produce, and you know he's got to go play well, and hopefully he does. How, how about how about Sarah being so nice and saying the Giants have been kind of bad the last <laughs> few years? That's a loyal fan, though. She's a loyal, big blue follower. I, I, I'm I, optimistic, but I, I'd like team. to I'd like to write fifty crappy stories in a row and have my, my no, not fifty. I'd like to have sixteen stories and have and write only five good ones, okay, and eleven crappy ones like they did, and have my editor say you were kind of bad last year. Mm. <laughs> Sarah, you're going to save a lot of money on alcohol. You'll be drinking Diet Coke instead of your fancy uh, mixed drinks they used to have. Or That's you'll just right. be drinking more in celebration of victories. Uh, pink, pinkies could out. Get expensive. It could get expensive at the yeah. bar. But we're going to go to games now, hopefully. Yeah, well, it's the 10-year anniversary times, right, of your Super Bowl I'll be team. there. So Maybe. We're they have me. Blue Rush podcast, uh, hopefully within six feet of each other come September, October, November, December, whenever it is. But joining us next is a guy who will not be within six feet of us, but He's within six feet of your television sets all the time. That's Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network right here on Blue Rush. Joining us now on Blue Rush is a reporter who covered Lawrence Tynes and those Giants Super Bowl teams back in the day when he was the Giants beat writer at the Star Ledger for eight years. For his work there, he received an APSE award. And for those scoring at home, that would be the Associated Press Sports Editor Award. He would go on to cover the NFL nationally at Fox Sports 1, but since 2016, he's been an NFL reporter at the NFL Network where he co-hosts GMFB. That's Good Morning Football there as well. Please welcome in a Philly native, a New Jersey resident, Mike Garofolo. Mike, it's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? I'm doing great now that I am in the presence of such esteemed company right here. Yeah, yeah only prestigious guest on the Blue Rush podcast. So welcome to the show. Have the Giants signed you? Did you get your paperwork? What's the uh, terms of the, of the deal? How much money are you getting? <laughs> 
I listen the way they're doling out millions right now. I wouldn't. I would answer the call. I'll put it to you that way. The way they're the way they're bringing it right now. Hey, Mike. It's Paul. Good to hear from you. Um, you know, when this started, look, you you cover you've covered the Giants, but you cover everybody now, basically. And um, you know, so you got to you got to have your um, you know, beak wetted in all these teams. But you know, we see those lists, right? The Giants have what three million bucks to spend, and they're going to redo some contracts, and they're going to go kind of easy. You know, I, I'm the Giants beat writer for the Post. I'm I'm supposed to know all this and say, yeah. I don't think they're going to make a killing here in free agency. Uh, what was your thought on what the Giants were going to do two weeks ago? What did you think was going to happen? I think there were probably going to be a, a you know a couple of decent middle of the road signings. I, I, I think that the, the Leonard Williams deal was actually Paul, as you know, like it, it's going to free up money. I mean, when you when you've got a guy on a tag, and that's the part that maybe the average folks don't understand is that you give them a, a signing bonus and all of a sudden that one year hit gets spread out. So that was the source of frustration with Leonard Williams where he came in and he and his representatives had an idea for where the multi-year deal should be. And, and, and it was many millions above where the, the tag was. And those guys were getting frustrated saying, hey, it's, it's usually we tag a guy and if we do a long-term deal, you know, it's just slightly above where that tag number is on a average per year. And then you just, you know, you massage it, you figure it out, and you get it done. So he's coming in at the time at, you know, $24 million-ish uh, when the tag was anywhere from 19 to 20 depending on if he had won his grievance. And so there was frustration because they had an idea for, well, we can get that done, it'll free up some cap room, uh, and it'll allow us to do other business. So once that got done, I figured, you know, maybe one other signing, uh, one other sizable signing. So to get Galladay done and then to get a, a Dory Jackson done, I would say that that's probably above my expectation of where they were going to come in. And, and listen, I think Jackson popping free may have changed things a little bit. And and they say, oh, uh, well, now we, we maybe, you know, go a little higher than what we thought we were going to do. But this is a guy that, that we have a value on and, and we can get it done because the cap is something that you can kind of massage and work around. So I, I think that probably – change things and maybe in their minds they weren't going to do two big deals the way that they did and the other thing with Galladay is I don't know that uh, people thought that it was going to be a, a real deal like when everybody saw the numbers they said oh let's let's wait till we see the real numbers I'm sure it's backload and no I mean it's, it's decent money uh, a sizable guarantee so they really went hard for the guy to get that one done so uh, you know to answer your question I'm probably a little surprised with how much they've spent just on these two guys but this is a team right now that's that's trying to be aggressive to get guys in place that can make their uh, well, certainly on defense with with Williams and and Jackson uh, make them strong in key areas. Hey Mike, this is Lawrence. Thanks for coming on. This is completely out of character for the Giants. I thought like when we talked about this earlier in the offseason, we said no way are they going to be big spenders, and here we are. As an insider, you and amongst a handful of other guys that have all this inside information in the NFL, was this something? that caught the media by surprise in terms of, did you guys hear whispers or rumors or anything from people that the Giants were going to be big spenders or people that were going to visit? No, I think, you know, everybody kind of knew that they were in on Galladay. The question was, where was the market going to settle for Galladay? And I thought that they would be, with Galladay specifically, you know, he, he turned down, I believe it was $18.5 million before the season last year. The, the Lions tried to get that deal done. He did not do the deal. And so now he's hitting free agency saying, well, I could do a one-year deal knowing that, you know, if I prove that I can stay healthy and play more than just the five games that I played last year, that I can come back next year and hit a, hit a big deal. The Giants, meanwhile, kind of saying, well, we're willing to work on a long-term deal right now. I think there was probably a little bit of an overextend on their part on how it wound up being. But understanding that if they had a, it, it was kind of a show of good faith, I think, in the end, to say, 
hey, look, we know what you're up on the table. We're willing to kind of get there, get close at least, and give you a chance to come in here feeling good, feeling like we did you a solid because nobody else was willing to go here. And there were a lot of one-year offers that would have come in less, which I think they did discuss at some point a, a one-year deal. But, I, you know, I think they understood that if we want him to come in and we want him to feel good about what we're doing, let's get him close to where he was. And it's a leap of faith. It truly is a leap of faith. And you go back to last year and there were, you know, talks that he and the, the previous Lions coaching staff didn't see eye to eye. But, but my thing is, that previous coaching staff did not understand how to communicate with their players to do what they needed to do to get those guys to perform and, and feel good about, okay, this is the coaching staff we want to play for. And I mean, from jump, from jump, it was worse a couple of years ago. Then there was a moment where they looked like they were all getting on the same page and then not. And we saw how it ended. So, you know, anything that they heard coming out of Detroit, I think they were taking with a grain of salt saying, okay, let's get a, a picture of the guy that we can see in front of us during a visit. And uh, obviously what they heard, they felt comfortable enough to extend themselves financially. It's a bit of a risk. But, you know, if he can get back to being healthy and feeling good about things, they've got themselves a pretty good target for Daniel Jones. Mike, you mentioned um, Leonard Williams. Yeah, I, I know the Giants kind of paused and maybe did more than pause, certainly internally, when, uh, you know, his representatives come to them and he they, they ask for more money for Leonard Williams than Aaron Donald makes. And it was like, well, okay, that's not a starting point, okay? You know, so I, I know that was, you know, they had to get from there to there. It took a while for that. I want to ask you, you know, when I knew you back, I know you now, but when I knew you back then, uh, covering the Giants, covering the exploits of uh, a kicker named Lawrence Tynes on two Super Bowl teams, obviously, uh, you didn't have kids, right? You didn't have kids back then. Now you have two, God bless you, two young daughters. So do you have a working from home, two young kids, phone in your hand, diaper in the other hand, you know, some kind of pandemic home, newborn story that will resonate with people who are working at home and, you know, having Zoom and doing all these crazy things. You know, you got two of them at home. So it's got to be very challenging, I would think. It is challenging. My daughter, my older daughter, Carmen, who's three and a half now, did not walk in on any live shots this round of free agency. So so that's a victory, right? Like last year, there were a couple of times where I was doing a hit, I was live on the air, and I have glass windows and doors to my office, and she was standing outside in a full-blown Elsa dress from Frozen doing a twirl. She's got the hair that she puts on, the wig that she puts on as well. She was trying to freeze yes. you like they used to do yes. the Lawrence. That's, That's it. Right. Yes, and that time that out. was a really hard moment because I, I think for the first time, you know, as she gets older, it's, it's different every year. So for the first time, I think she kind of sort of understood like, oh, daddy's on air right now. I don't, I don't still don't think she knows what that means. But, you know, she was doing – and I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of acknowledge her while also not looking away from the camera or – you know, making a silly face or something like that. So that was the big challenge this year. And thankfully, usually stuff like that will result in a, in a meltdown. Thankfully, it didn't result in a meltdown. And as soon as they kind of cut away from me, I was kind of able to give her a face like, wow, you look beautiful, or something like that to kind of communicate to her. So that she'd be like, all right, cool. And then just run away, which was good. But th these are not soundproof windows and soundproof doors. So if she had had that meltdown, it would have flat out been, been heard on the air. In fact, she did have a, she was singing one of the Frozen songs, and I asked the producer after, I was like, could you hear that? And they're like, yeah, we can hear that. Not really loud, but we can hear it, but no big deal. I mean, everybody seems like they've kind of gotten an understanding over the last year of, you know, we're all working from home. We're all kind of dealing with the same things. And on top of that, look, my, my wife is trying to hold Zoom calls for her job. She just came back from maternity leave. So it's hard for me to be like, hey, could you take two hours off? 
you know, she's taken three months off and she had a baby, by the way. What did I do? You know, so that's kind of the way it's been the last week or so far. Yeah. And doing podcasts from home, the sirens going down the street. It sounds like the cops are after us. It, it is an interesting world that we're in. And Mike, you're also doing cameos from home. I mean, how about this? What does Mike Garofolo offer on cameo? What kind of messages are you sending to uh, the fans? You know, I was kind of like reluctant. I, it's the cameo folks reached out to a bunch of NFL network people. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like I don't, you know, and then I, I started to do it. I got to be honest. It's so much fun. Some of the stuff that people ask to do, I, I, one of the things I really like cause I'm a, I'm a fantasy football guy right before the start of the season. I had a couple requests of people. Can you pick our draft order? And I was like, that's great. You know, and some people would give you like, Hey, bust on this guy, bust on this guy. And then like one guy was the commissioner and we got close. I, I, I picked the order from, from like 10 to 1. And so we were down to like the last two picks. And the commissioner was one of the last two. And I'm like, they're going to think that I cooked this one to take care of the commission. I'm like, you know, and he got the second pick, not the first pick. I'm like, if I really was cheating for him, I would have given him the first pick. So, yeah, Cameo has been fun. I, I You know, is, is Tynes on Cameo? Is no, no. Can I, can I make any money on it? Yes. That's the real question. Okay, yeah, I'll be there. You, you, you can um, make a lot more than me. That's I've got, for sure. I've got well, Mike, Mike, yeah. Mike, you pay them to do the cameo. Is that right? Yes, That's right. Yes. No, well, reverse, you, I call you, it reverse cameo. Oh, oh, they pay you to do the okay. cameo. See, Lawrence Tynes is a, has <laughs> okay. two Super can, Bowl can, can we move on from the Elsa dresses and cameos? I want to get into this this football business that we're here on. This is the blue rush pod, not the blue dress pod. Go ahead. Mike, you know, you know, Lawrence is all bi- The kickers are always all business. You know, no, no, that. no, no, no. I, I would love to get his, get the, ki- the kickers are always all football. Says, says all the, the guy time. who's raving about Pelotons over here, Lawrence. Yeah, but I do that off air. That's not on company time. So here we go. My, my question is March 23rd, 2021. If you had to pick the NFC East before the draft, where do you see the Giants? Are they the first team? Are they the last? Where do you where do you think they fall in the mix? I, I'm can I go ahead and give you my preview right now today? I still think Dallas has the best quarterback in the NFCs. I would say that that is accurate right now. Listen, don't forget what kind of a pace he was on to start the season. I mean, oh, he was on pace for six thousand yards or something like that. It was it was out of control. And you know, listen, they there were there were some ugly games because they weren't playing well defensively. But let's see, you know, let's put him in there and let's see what they look like when he's healthy and and they, they get a chance to really start building on stuff and. Uh, start being a team that you really got to worry about offensively. So yeah, I I would put them up there. And I listen. I think I think the Giants are starting to build something. I, I last year was in a lot of ways reprogramming this team on how to compete and and how to do things and and how to win ball games. That's what Joe Judge was trying to teach these guys. And I think as the season went on, they started to learn how to. You know, his thing was guys realize the difference between and I don't remember it was a two-game stretch where they were close to winning and then the next week they finally won his thing to them was figure out what the difference was between winning that game and losing the close one this is the difference in the NFL and and certainly coming from Belichick who taught those guys how to win football games and put yourself in the best position he had a sense for how it gets done the question now is could he communicate it to the team I think he did a good job now the question is and they take the next step and start to stack these wins together. Mike, and w- one follow-up real quick. Do you buy the theory, and me and Paul suggested this maybe during the season last year, we feel like the Giants basically stripped Daniel Jones down to nothing and then started creating their vision of what kind of a quarterback he is. Do you buy any of that? Because the re- obviously the regression was personnel-related, but I feel like he was just a completely different quarterback from his rookie year. Yeah, a little bit of that. It's hard for a young quarterback to go from coordinator to coordinator – which 
you know, if you're the Giants, you got to hope. I mean, listen, if, if if Jason Garrett and this offense kill it and he winds up being a head coach next year, that, that's one thing. Uh, but you've got to hope that, that he does a good enough job that he is now going to continue in that job and you'll have some continuity and you have some reason for Daniel Jones to start feeling good and start figuring out what is winning football at the NFL level playing quarterback. I, I think that that's more of what they want him to understand and more of what they were trying to build into him last year. So I, I, I agree with that assessment, kind of, you know, starting over and, and, and getting him to uh, figure out how to process things the way that they want him to process things. Mike, I think you're the first reporter we've had on outside of, you know, Paul that's covered Lawrence Tynes nice. teams. Do you have any memories covering Lawrence? Did he ever give you any short answers or anything? <laughs> no, he was always the one thing that I the one thing to this day that I will never forget was how pissed off. Can I say pissed off? I already said it. Yeah. Um, yep. How pissed off he was the week of the San Francisco NFC Championship game, when everybody started to talk to Zach Diossi about Trey Junkin, which had happened 11 years prior or 10 years prior with the snap in San Francisco. And I remember him saying, well, everybody get away from my snapper. That's a direct quote. Get away from my snapper. Stop putting those thoughts in his head. And sure enough, he short hopped the one that won the game. Thankful to weather for this. He 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 did. He did. You know, I'm more tied to that field goal uh, that Trey Junkin snap then meets the eye. Matt Allen and I both walked on at Troy together. He's one of my best friends and he was the holder for that damn kick. So <laughs> it's just a weird deal. It was the same upright that his dad snapped a field goal at for Matt Barr. There's all kinds of craziness on that field and candlestick, which no longer exists. But I remember that, Mike. You smelled it coming and, and it almost happened. It almost went the wrong way. Be Weatherford. Yeah. God love you for getting it down. I remember standing in front of Trey Junkin's locker in 2002 (laughs) after, you know, his 30th year in the NFL. And he said, Mm. it was unbelievable. He said, you have just seen my worst and last snap in the NFL. He he literally (laughs) retired himself. It was unbelievable. And all these guys, he'd been with the team for 20 minutes, you know, and all these guys are in this... It was no horrible locker room. It's tiny. It it, it was the worst. It was in the top two or three locker rooms I've ever been in, in any (laughs) sport I've ever covered ever. You have Jeremy Shockey standing there who, who threw ice at some kid by mistake. And they bring the kid in and his father, he's asking him to apologize. And, and Jeremy (laughs) Shockey is throwing F-bombs at everybody, and then he looks up and sees the kid. It was a disaster. And and here you have Trey Junkin, who no one even knew, and he cost him the game, and he's <laughs> apologizing and, and retiring. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, you could write – you you could absolutely write a book about that game. Absolutely. Now, Mike, you could write the book. I don't want to write the book because if you go on the book, then you can charge extra for Cameo for talking about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe, maybe Trey Junkin will hire me to do a Cameo. But uh, oh, yeah, I but I just remember in the thought, uh, Lawrence. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is what the hell does that game have to do with this game? Other than it's two teams playing in the playoffs at Candlestick. Don't put the thought in my uh, long snapper's head, and, and that's why you didn't want the thought in your long listen, snapper's head. Listen, it was always in there. Zach did have some issues towards the end of his career. You guys saw him. Yeah. I mean, yep. so it gets in your head sometimes. But. And usually it was Zach at the locker when we would go to a kicker and say, uh, well, you're in a slump or you did this yeah. or, you know, is, is it hard to kick there? And it was Zach who always said, get the hell away from my kicker, please. You know what I mean? You See? Know? So it was. You always have my back. 
Yep. With all due respect to kickers, holding in the NFL to me has got to be one of the most uh, under underrated skills. I agree. In, I just and and that's so that that hold there was as key to anything on that Super Bowl run. Matt Dodge, Matt Dodge, everyone. The only holder I fired in the NFL. Well, <laughs> let, let's dodge talking about Matt Dodge and retire this interview with Mike Garofalo. You can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Mike Garofalo. You can check him out on Cameo, cameo.com slash Mike Garofalo. Mike, you do a great job uh, with Good Morning Football and the NFL Network. And uh, it was good taking a trip down memory lane and talking about the revamped Giants with you. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. And that says cheerio to episode 67, the Justin Pugh edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCroy for producing the show. Give us that wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts, you filthy animals. For Polly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return to your eardrums later in April to preview the draft. Talk to your fine folks then. Thanks for listening to Blue Rush people in some strip clubs throwing dollar bills